it's definitely something that they plan for, uh, mapping out water sources in the area and developing relationships with local landowners who might have, say, like a, a pond or a lake that they could draw from in case of an isolated fire. Um, and they told me it hasn't been a problem so far other than having to transport water to um, small rural ignitions. Good Thursday morning and welcome back to The Daily Buzz. I'm Dayton Olander. We're now in the middle of wildfire season, and Utah has already seen numerous blazes spark across the state. So reporter Jordan Miller looked into how one community is preparing for such a crisis in the midst of this historic drought. She was kind enough to join us today. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So you had a story published this morning about how Summit County and specifically Park City uh, would fare in the event of a major wildfire. Uh, Why did you choose to report on that region? I chose to report on that area just because of the different difficulties I saw in it, Um, like ski resorts, tourism, limited points of ingress and egress. Um, I I remember last year in my coverage of the Parley's Canyon fire that it was really difficult to get up to those areas. And I think Parley's itself was really backed up with traffic due to the blaze. So I I wanted to see how emergency managers plan to combat that in the case of a bigger fire, along with some other challenges I might not have known about. Sure. And is, like like I said, you reported about all of Summit County, um, but is Park City especially susceptible to a wildfire? Yeah, I, not particularly, I don't think. Um, I remember whenever I was doing my reporting, uh, the Summit County, uh, I think it was their emergency, one of their emergency plans kind of said that about 85% of them, about 85% of the area is in a um, low risk area for uh, fire danger or fire threat. Um, and so I think most, I think most of the land up there isn't as severe conditions as we can see in southern Utah, just by the nature of different weather conditions up here. Um, however, wood frame construction in Park City does present an issue if a wildfire were to make it into that Main Street area. Um, and I think it's just more important for people to know kind of the risks and things like that of the whole county and also just uh, Park City, just in case something does arrive. So not particularly more susceptible, but wood frame construction in Park City Main Street area does present um, a particular issue. Sure. And did I read in your story that Park City had actually burned down uh, prior to this? Yes. Yeah. I think uh, one of the people who I talked to mentioned that I think it's actually burned down twice. Um, You'll have to fact check me on that. But I think it's for sure burned down totally once um, in like the early uh, 1900s, I believe. So, um, yeah, it's, it's happened before. That is crazy. Um, we're obviously in a pretty severe drought right now. Um, is a lack of water a concern for city officials in planning for a wildfire? Um, and has a scarcity of water been a problem in the past? Um, it's definitely something that they plan for, uh, mapping out water sources in the area and developing relationships with local landowners who might have, say, like a, a pond or a lake that they could draw from in case of an isolated fire. Um, and they told me it hasn't been a problem so far other than having to transport water to um, small rural ignitions, uh, but it hasn't kind of presented a delay or impacted their ability to fight fires yet, um, but they do definitely plan for uh, fires in places that they can't necessarily get water to immediately. Got it. And what are the steps the county has taken to prepare for wildfire uh, should one spark, specifically in terms of 
like we were talking about access to water to fight the fire and getting residents and especially tourists uh, prepared to evacuate. Yeah, for sure. Um, one of those big things that I saw was with messaging. Uh, they have kind of an Amber Alert system set up. So it's, or at least Park City has an Amber Alert system set up to where uh, so tourists don't have to opt in to those kind of messages. So like there are certain services that uh, emergency managers have that you can use, but they are opt-in, um, but Park City doesn't use those. They, they are kind of Amber Alert people who are in a certain radius automatically get that message on their phone that's like, hey, there's an emergency, you need to evacuate or something of that sort. Uh, so that's one of the things that they do speci specifically in Park City and also just to encapsulate tourism there. Um, and another thing that they do countywide is just with uh, a lot of trainings to make sure that um, their emergency services and crews and everybody, all the agencies involved know, know how to um, get people out and also plan for fighting a fire in rugged terrain where there might not be um, easily easily uh, accessible roads to a fire, that kind of thing. Um, so they do a lot of training, there's a lot of messaging, and they also do a lot of uh, emergency training for uh, residents and stuff. Like I think in, I think I mentioned in the story in September, they're having a big um, emergency management training in uh, Park City for kind of a, uh, a whole uh, walkthrough of how evacuation will work in the case of a wildfire. So they do a lot of training, a lot of messaging, and um, they make sure people know where to go. So like you were kind of saying earlier, um, Summit County does present some tricky challenges in terms of, you know, delineating evacuation routes or getting people out. So if there ever was an emergency, um, where would Park City residents evacuate to? Yeah, um, so that's kind of a tricky one. Uh, just because whenever there, we don't know where a wildfire might spark and what roads might be cut off or what areas might be cut off due to a wildfire. But um, based on a previous story I've done with the Red Cross, I believe it would be a school or a church that would be set up as an evacuation center or shelter. Um, but since every wildfire is different, they don't have exact routes or places set up just yet because a wildfire could cause those places to become um, not accessible to the public or just dangerous to try and get to. So they just try and make sure everybody knows what the messaging looks like and they can um, get the word out whenever something does arise so that people know where to go and what to do. Makes a lot of sense. Well, fingers crossed that the rest of this year's wildfire season is tame. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for your time. You can read Jordan's story at sltrib.com. Next, reporter Julie Jag discusses a new way to enjoy Powder Mountain, known for its northern Utah ski lodge, during the summertime. A cloud of dust and a flurry of butterflies appropriately stood in for fireworks and confetti earlier this month when Powder Mountain announced a major change to its operations. Summers have been a time of tranquility in the area since before 1972, when the first lift was built on the property, located less than 10 miles north of Eden. But starting this year, under new resort operators, Powder Mountain is emerging from that summer cocoon with the intent of transforming itself into one of Utah's top downhill mountain biking destinations. Earlier this month, the ski area opened three lift-served mountain biking trails to the public. Totaling about 10 miles, they included two flow trails similar to a groomer and skier parlance, one of which features several tabletop jumps. The other is a black technical trail that wraps around Hidden Lake, the namesake for the lift that has been fitted with haulers to return riders and their bikes back to the top of the mountain. Justin Hawley, the former head mountain biking trail builder at Powder Mountain, who is now the sports shop manager, 
said the goal is to bring people to the resort for more than just its snow. He said, quote, it's one of the few things that you really can do to make money in the summertime in the resort aspect out here. Building mountain biking trails to attract summer traffic isn't a new concept for ski resorts, but thanks to a resurgence of interest in mountain biking spurred by the pandemic and the growth of youth leagues, lift serve downhill mountain biking is booming. Potter Mountain's operators make it no secret that they'd like to emulate the success of Deer Valley, which has had lift serve mountain biking since 1992 and is considered one of the best in North America. Bryanhead, Park City Mountain, Woodward, and Solitude also offer some form of lift service to bikers. Solitude plans to expand its offering with five new trails and a new lift rack in the next two years. Powder Mountain plans to expand to at least 15 trails covering about 40 miles across 1,200 acres in the next five years. Lift served biking is available from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursday through Sunday in August and Friday through Sunday after Labor Day. A day pass costs $40. Like the resort ski passes, daily tickets are being capped to prevent overcrowding. 250 will be allowed per day, though a $400 season pass is also available. Mountain biker Bryce, Bryson Rackham, lead mechanic at the bike shop in Ogden, said he expects to spend at least a few days going downhill fast at Powder Mountain this summer. Overall, I'm super excited, he said. I think it's really cool. And that's all we have for you today. I want to give a huge shout out to the Pelicans for our music and Danny Rubio for producing today's episode.